119. Psalm 119. If you have a Bible, you can turn to there. If you're using the Bible in the pew, it's on page 512. We're in the middle of a series called Next Steps. And the idea of this is, okay, I'm following Jesus. Um, I have a relationship with him. Okay, now what? What's next? What are the things that I could be doing that's going to help grow this relationship? What does it mean to follow him? And so we're going through these different disciplines, these different habits that we need to form to strengthen, to grow, to help our relationship with Christ thrive. We started off talking about our identity in Jesus and needing to be continually reminded about who we are in him. Last week, we leaned in and talked about the importance of Scripture and engaging Scripture. And we're actually going into a second part of that. We're going to be uh, moving and kind of leveling up what was talked about last week. And to get started, I want you to think about this. Imagine that you are driving in busy Chicago traffic. Um, it's really, anybody, maybe one or two of you been there before? So uh, just think about the reality of traffic. And you need to figure out something on your phone. Maybe it's searching for a restaurant. Maybe it's getting uh, directions for uh, getting something for somebody or getting directions. But you're trying to drive. You're trying to navigate. There's people everywhere. It's a little bit crazy. And you have to focus on this. When we go to do that, not only is that illegal, I'm told now, uh, but it's also highly dangerous and not good for you or the people in the car with you or anywhere around you. And many times, maybe you've been there, the stress and the franticness of traffic gets elevated because of the whole phone thing. Like, this is making it even more stressful and frantic. Anybody ever have that experience? So it's actually better to pull over, to stop, and then look it up. Then figure out what it is. My son and I were in the car the other day, and I was like, and we were family. This happened a couple of times in the last couple of weeks where it's like, let's pull over and then figure out where we're going to eat. Let's pull over and then figure out where this is. We need to stop to focus. We're not going to kind of deal, talk about dealing with traffic today, but the idea of this that I just described gets to the heart of this discipline that we're going to be talking about. The importance of stepping away from the busyness of life, stepping away from the traffic, the franticness, the nonstop, because in reality, that's what happens a lot in our days. It might not, you might not be in traffic, but your day feels like traffic. Because it's just nonstop. It's packed. It keeps going. It keeps going. It keeps going until the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And then you go to sleep and then you do it again. And the reality is, is that we need to stop and we need to pull over, stop and remove ourselves from the busyness to be able to pause for the purpose of being with God and hearing from him in his word. We might not realize how important engaging in scripture is in our lives. Uh, Two different people, Dr. Arnie Cole and Dr. Pamela Collaudel, they surveyed hundreds of thousands of people who followed Jesus in how their walk with him is and the different things that they do throughout their week. And one of the things that they found out was the strongest, most reliable indicator of somebody with a thriving relationship with God and spiritual growth was that they were engaging in the word of God four times or more a week. If somebody was engaging the Word of God four times or more over the course of the week, that was a predicator that they were growing spiritually. In fact, their surveys and the different studies that they did found that engaging in the Bible four or more times a week, the odds of giving in to temptations 
like drinking to excess, viewing pornography, lashing out in anger, gossiping or lying, all significantly decreased. Receiving, reflecting on, and responding to God's word four or more times a week decreased a person's odds of struggling with issues of feeling bitter, of thinking destructive thoughts about self or others, having difficulty forgiving others, or feeling discouraged. They also found that engaging Scripture produces a more proactive faith, that those who engage Scripture most days of the week are less likely to feel spiritually stagnant and to feel that they can't please God. They've showed, they've proved, they've dove into this to see people who follow Jesus have to consistently be in the Word of God. And if somebody was less than four times, if it was two or three, all of the different stats dropped. But there was something about at least four or more times a week, being in the Word of God is what powered people's relationship with Christ. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. That's why we're taking this one week further as we've talked about the importance of engaging Scripture. Now it's how do we actually go about doing that. And so we're going to be looking at Psalm 119 for this. This is actually the longest chapter in the Bible. It has 176 verses, and each one of them, all of them are broken down into eight verse sections. And the theme of the entire chapter, the entire chapter is about God's word, about the importance of God's word, the helplessness, the helpfulness of God's word, the sacredness of God's word. And so there's a lot of verses, and we're going to get through all of them. No, we're not going to go through. Rest assured, we're not going to go through all 176 verses right now. But I want to look at specific ones that point to the themes that come out, because there's definitely different themes that come out through this chapter about the Word of God. Before we do that, though, um, I want to pray and just ask that God would speak to us. And so let's pray together. God, we do come before you again, and we're just grateful to be in this place. We're grateful for this church. We're grateful, God, for the fact that you are with us. Uh, whether we're sitting here in the room or watching at home, I pray that you would just open our eyes to who you are. Allow us to uh, have ears to hear and a heart to be ready to uh, receive, God, what you have for us. I pray that you would penetrate our frustrations and our distractions and other things that we might have going on, that we can just be still and be before you and hear from you. We thank you for the fact that you're a God who wants to be known, that you're a God who communicates, that you're a God who loves us, that you're a God who is merciful and ever patient with us. God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And so here's the thing, the big thing that we're going to be talking about, the discipline that we're going to be talking about, is meditating on Scripture. That followers of Jesus must meditate on God's Word. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Meditation and meditating on God's Word is mentioned numerous times in Psalm 119, over 10 different times. I'm not going to read all of them, but a few different times that it mentions it. It says in verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Verse 48, I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 97, hold me up that I might be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. Verse 117, and then by, my eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I might meditate on your promise, verse 148. So what, meditating on God's word. Now, when we hear that idea that we need to meditate on God's word, the idea of meditation is not a foreign concept 
in our world today. But we need to make sure that what we, we have clarity that what the Bible talks about as meditation and what people think about a lot of times today as meditation are not the same thing. Um, there is a big difference between biblical meditation and modern or Eastern meditation. Um, listen to Psalm 77, a different portion of the Psalms that talks about meditation. It says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all of your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. I mean, these two verses alone are the great explanation of what meditating on God's word is all about. See what it said there. I'm remembering. I'm pondering. So within that, the mind is active. The mind is not dormant. It's not just there. It's active. It's engaging. He says, I'm focusing on the Lord's deeds and work. And so the mind isn't empty. The mind isn't void. The mind isn't dormant. It's full. Biblical meditation. When it talk, The Bible talks about meditate on the Word of God. It's talking about actively using our minds, about intentionally filling our minds with the Bible. So this is not about being silent. It's not about being disconnected. It's not about turning off our minds and heart. If anything, it's about being active, about filling, about our engaging our minds and hearts. Uh, scholar Mark Ferrato says this, Biblical meditation is not disengaging the mind. It's engaging the mind so that we understand the scriptures and so that we know how to put those scriptures to work in our lives and the lives of other people. Did that, that's the key. Did you see that? That so that we would know how to put those scriptures to work in our lives. If I just read, I can read, close the book, and walk away, none the differ. But if I'm meditating on God's word, it's okay, what does this mean? What's, what's the point of this? What do I do with this? It moves me to implement scripture into my daily life. He then says, in other words, meditation is part of the process of living out a holy life before God. That's part of the blessed life, the truly happy life. And so it isn't if you do this, this isn't like a magic recipe for if you do this, then you're going to experience blessing. The, uh, the blessed life that he's talking about there, that comes from having a relationship with God. But how do we live out the relationship with God? We meditate on God's word to understand who God is and this life that he has for us. And so this is about as basic of discipline, spiritual discipline, as we can get, which is why we need to talk about it. That's why we're spending time talking about these disciplines is how do we experience the goodness of the Lord? How do we experience in faithfulness this life he has for us? And meditating on scripture is one of those Huge, important guides. And so in that, consider this as part two of last week. Consider this as leveling up what we talked about last week because we want to talk about how do we do it. We need to be reading God's word, but we, it's not just simply checking a box. It's slowing down. In, reading the Bible is not a fast food experience. We should not have the mentality about coming to the Bible that I'm going to pull up to the window, place my, here's my question, here's my need, here's my life, get a quick answer, and then drive on by. That's not how it works. We need to think about this as I'm going to sit down for a meal. I'm stopping. I'm moving away from the craziness. I'm sitting here with the Word in the presence of God, and I'm going to be in His presence. That's 
a different experience. And so we need to be able to slow down. What Slow down to meditate on God's word. What does it mean to meditate on God's word? Well, again, Psalm 119 helps us. First off, it's going gonna, it's gonna to let us see this, is that when I meditate on God's word, I'm seeking to understand it. When I meditate on God's word, I'm seeking to understand his word. Again, this is moving us from merely reading the words to grasping the words. Meditating, here's the thing, meditating on God's word does not start with the question, what does this mean to me? Meditating on God's word starts with the question, what is God communicating? What is God trying to say to me here? Why did God say this? Why is this in the Bible? And so it's to stop and say, okay, what is God saying? In Psalm 119, it says in verse 18, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I mean, that should be our prayer when we go to sit before the Lord and open up his word. Open my eyes. I'm reading to acknowledge this is not my word, God. It's your word. Help me understand. Help me know what you're saying. Help me get what you're trying to communicate here. It says in verse 26, when I, hold, when, I, when I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. In verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. It, there's an idea here of trying to absorb the word of God. Letting it become part of who I am, internalizing it, even memorizing portions of it. Having this understanding now to where I so I have it when I need it later. Understanding what God has promised and what he hasn't, the who he is and who he's not, the things he wants for us, how he guides us, to where when life gets difficult or life I need wisdom or I need guidance, I have what God has said already within me. And so we we, we read to understand, to absorb, to never forget his statutes or his precepts, what he teaches. He says in verse 36, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Uh, he has a willingness saying, God, I want to be molded by your word. I want to be led by you. But the only way I can be led by you is if I understand what you're saying. And so meditation, I'm seeking to understand. How do we go about doing that? Well, there's a couple of things. First off, we have to read actively. As you read through the text, as you're sitting there with the scriptures to, what is it, to, to read, seeking to understand, you have to read actively. And what that means is you should, the way, you know how, how you can read the Bible actively is get yourself a pen or a pencil while you're reading. And as you're going through, if you're using a, a hardcover, a paper Bible, Jot notes or get an app that you can put notes in or something like that. Underline things. Put what sticks out to you. What seems to be the main idea here? What questions do you have? That's how you actively read something is you're engaged with it. And so I'm reading slowly. I'm making observations. I'm letting the text speak. Reading it more than once. You have to go slow and take it in a couple times. Actively reading, it involves asking questions. We need to have a sense of inquisitiveness. We need to get really curious. If you come to the Bible with a boring mind, you're going to get a boring reading. Because if you're just coming in like, okay, I read it, that was it, that was kind of dull, that says more about you and not the Bible. 
But if you're curious, if you have a sense of wonder, the creator of the cosmos who made everything and made you spoke to you through his word. He wants you to know him and the life he has for you. And the verse that you're reading is part of his message to you. That that invites a sense of wonder, doesn't it? That invites a sense of inquisitiveness. And so we have to read with curiosity. There might be, there's, going to be, there's always going to be things that you don't understand or you don't know. So we look those things up, but I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But you have to be inquisitive. You have to be curious and ask questions. And then last, seeking to understand involves letting God speak. Not reading myself into the text. Not trying to find proof text in the Bible for anything I want to do. But allowing the text to speak into me. Allowing the text to get into who I am, to challenge me, not me challenge it. Does that make sense? And so I need to seek to understand, actively reading, asking questions, listening to God. So we meditate, we seek to understand. That leads to, when I meditate, I'm reflecting on the Bible's significance and its implications. I'm reflecting on its significance and its implications. One scholar says, talks about that word meditation, and he says the Hebrew word used for meditate in the Psalms means to talk to oneself, implying mental activities such as contemplating, pondering, considering, remembering, and reflecting. It's to speak, but I'm speaking to myself. I'm talking this through. There's a video that was posted um, sometime within the last year of this little girl who was like three or four, and her parents, they live in an area where everybody skis and snowboards and everything like that, and the parents were teaching her and got her to the point where they were going to have her go down the hill by herself. And again, she's like three, four, or five, really, really tiny. She's on, this, on these little skis, and they put a GoPro on her because they wanted to be able to see what she was doing and hear her. Has anybody seen this? And so she's talking to herself while she's doing it. Like, it's like the pep talk. You can do this. You're doing great. Like, she's giving her own, like, she's speaking to herself. She's self-coaching as she goes through it. That's kind of the same idea that we're doing with meditating, but we're not cheering ourselves on. We're not giving ourselves a little pep talk. But if the Bible is before us, it's okay, well, what is that? What's going on there? Hey, Bobby, why is that important? Hey, Bobby, why do you think God said that? I'm talking to myself about what I'm reading in here. If I'm understanding the text to say that, you understand the text to say that, Bobby? Well, what is that important? What are the implications for that then as you go about the rest of today? Hey, Bobby, if this Bible is telling, saying that Christians should act this way or not act this way or be like this or not be like this or God is this and God has promised that, Bobby, what does that mean to you? That's what reflecting on Scripture means, thinking through its significance, thinking through its implications. And Psalm 119 and other passages get to this idea. It says in Psalm 119, 76, Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I might live, for your law is my delight. Well, in order for it to comfort us, for under, in order for us to grasp its assurances, to understand his mercies, I have to be able to know that it says that. I can't be comforted by God's word if I don't understand the implications of God's word. It says in Psalm 19, 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Joshua 1, 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. 
For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. In both of these last two passages, it talks about the word of God. My words, the words of my mouth be a reflection of the words coming from God's mouth. That as I go about my life, it's a reflection of how God has communicated to me to live my life. And so again, it gets to the idea of talking through, okay, how does, how does what God says in his word guide my life? How does the fact he is my rock, my foundation, my assurance, the fact that he is my redeemer, my savior, my healer, how does that guide me? And how does that encourage me? I reflect on the reality that the scripture is giving me what I need to follow him. Psalm 119, 28, my soul soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. The word of God will give us strength and renew our minds. Psalm 119, 81, my soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. It gives us hope. Psalm 119, 52, when I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort. His word gives us comfort. And 119.11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It gives me guidance on how to live faithfully. Now, I could be wrong, but if I think about my life and I think about your life, wouldn't it be great to have strength, renewal of mind, hope, comfort, and guidance on how to live? Would you say no to that? I mean, we all want that, right? If we're truly honest about it, and we're truly real and humble about the reality of it, when we think about the lives that we live as we go about them, we want strength, renewal of mind, hope, comfort, guidance on how to live. And what God is saying is, I've given that to you in my word. And so I meditate on it so I can understand its implications. But that leads to the last thing. When I meditate on God's word, I'm led to be faithful to it. I understand his word. I understand the implications of it. Now I have to live it. The Bible is not given to us so that we can have a daily spiritual warm fuzzy fix. Just like, oh, that was great, and then keep on going, nothing to different. The Bible is meant to change us, to move us more and more and make us more and more into the image of Jesus. That means helping us understand him and the life he has for us, what he calls us to. And if I'm truly understanding the word of God, then I'm going to do what it says. If I'm, if I'm truly understanding the implications of it, I'm going to do what it says. If I'm not doing what the Bible's talking about, then I'm either not listening to it, understanding it, or pondering it. Dietrich, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Only who, who believes is obedient, and only he who is obedient believes. What is he saying there? Is that to believe is to act. It's not one or the other. It's never one or the other. It's both. If you believe the reality of who Jesus is, then you're going to be obedient to him. And the only person that would be obedient to who Jesus is, is the one who believes him. It's never an option to ignore obedience and faithfulness to the life God has called us to. And this is what Psalm 119 tells us. It says in verses 30 to 32, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. 
Do you hear the language there? I'm clinging to you. I'm running with you. I'm moving my life in the direction that you have laid out. It says in verses 44 to 45, I will keep your law continually forever and ever. I shall walk in a wide place for I have sought your precepts. Again, I'm seeking to keep your law in everything that I do. 59 to 60, when I think I'm on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. And I love how the writer says that. It's basically when I think of my ways, I turn my feet to your ways. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. I have chosen faithfulness. I keep your word. I mean, basically what Psalm 119 is telling us is the same thing the New Testament tells us in James. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So if the Bible's telling us, I'm understanding this and grasping it, I get the implications of it. How am I going to live? Psalm 119, 101 to 104 should describe us as people who follow Jesus. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Do do I do everything I can to be faithful to who God is and what he's explained to me? Does God's words taste sweet like honey to me because I've experienced the life that he's given me? We should be people who are living the word of God. And so we are to meditate on God's word, to understand it, to reflect on its significance, and to be led in faithfulness. Okay, but how do you do that? If I'm supposed to do these things, what does that look like on a practical level? And that's where this handout comes into play. So if you, did, if you didn't get one, that, one of these, can you put your hand up? Ben, everybody got one? Oh, ben, could you grab some, please? Sorry to put you on the spot there. It's the one that says meditating on God's word. Yeah, raise your hand if you didn't get one, and Ben will come by and grab one. Give you one. This is what happens when you apply for the office manager job. You get called out in the middle of uh, service. So, um, for every one of these disciplines that we've given out, thank you, sir, we've been um, giving a challenge every week to help us practice them, to understand them, to begin implementing them into our lives. And so, this is the challenge for this week that you would, I challenge you, I'm challenging myself to spend 10 to 15 minutes meditating on God's word for the next five days. I'm not asking you to get up at three in the morning and pray for two hours. I'm not saying that you can't watch anything on Netflix or anything at all. I'm not saying you got to like, just plug 15 minutes into your day to pull over away from the craziness of the life traffic, to pause and be with God and hear from him. Just 15 minutes. How do we do that? And this is meant, so I'm looking at the side that where the very first thing it says make the time, the, not the one with the side with the pictures on it. And so this is meant to give us some direction on how do you spend 15 minutes meditating on God's word. First off, you have to make the time. You, you, if you don't schedule this, it's never going to happen. If you don't say when this is going to happen, if you don't take control of your schedule, your schedule will take control and it'll tell you it's not happening. Because if you don't, if you just kind of wait for the moment for it to happen, you're going to get up late 
or the kids are going to be crazy, or there's going to, the train's going to be late, or traffic's going to be horrible, work is going to be chaotic, you didn't get the time over lunch break that you thought you were going to get, you have an extra assignment thrown at you, your neighbor did something you need to help with, it's 9 or 10 o'clock, oh yeah, let me do this. So, dear God, and then you're sleeping. And then you're going to wake up and try to do that again. Who's had that experience? You have to schedule it. And so the two things on here, when will your time be? Make the appointment in your calendar. Put the 15-minute block of time in your calendar. And just put appointment. That way, if anybody asks you, like, if it's midday, hey, can we meet at this time? No, I have an appointment at that time. I can't do it. Because people respect that. They don't need to know what you're doing or whatever. Just, I have an appointment at that time. You need to stake claim to your schedule. The other thing is, when will your time, when will your place be? I think this is where we see the reality of the example that Jesus has given us. He says in Luke 5, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and pray. Mark 1, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus went and he made time away from everything to be not distracted and to be able to be in the presence of God. So you need a place where no one's going to distract you. If you're a college student, the common area is not going to work. If you're a parent, your kids in the same room is not going to work. doesn't matter who you are. Having Netflix on is not going to work. You need to have, having your phone in the room with you is not going to work. You have to have 10 or 15 minutes when you're going to be able to not be distracted. And I would, whether it's the morning or the evening, midday, as far as the time to pick, I would encourage you, when can you have 10 or 15 minutes when you'll have the energy to focus? And for you, that time might be the morning. For you, the time might be the end of the day. But when is that 10 or 15 minutes? So you have to make the time. Second thing, choose your passage. Don't just do it haphazardly, just don't randomly which passage are you going to do? So we've given you a couple reading plans over the last couple weeks. If you haven't been here for those, there's a bookmark on the table back there you can grab on the way out. Uh, we were encouraging people to read James last week. Maybe you go back through James and just do it one small portion at a time. The bookmark reading plan we have has Psalm 119 where you can read through it over a month. And it's broken down into eight verse chunks. And so maybe you just take eight verses at a time. But the point is to have one small passage, one paragraph, one story, or one story, not all of those, but like, or not, I'm going to meditate on Romans today. No, do not try to do all 16 chapters of Romans. One small portion. Then you begin your time with prayer. And I'm recommending, I think we should pray Psalm 119 verse 18 as we begin. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. Ask God to work in your thinking during this time of meditating on his word. Ask him to reveal himself to you and draw you closer to him. Ask him to open your eyes to the truth of his word. Ask him to help you apply his word to your life. Ask him to transform you more into the image of Jesus. I'm not just coming here to do this, God. I'm coming here to be with you. So open up my eyes so I can see what you have for me and hear your voice. Then read the text slowly. Read the text slowly a couple times. And remember those things that I said before. Read, act, read active reading. So make the observations. Get your pen or pencil out or take notes. Ask questions. Be, 
have that sense of inquisitiveness. Ask questions. You're not, none of us, myself, no one, in, we're never going to know everything in a passage. So be willing to look things up. And that's what the backside of this is for, is to give you some suggestions of resources. There's so many things out here. These are the things I would recommend you start with. There's two free apps. One is a study Bible, and one's actually a prayer uh, app that can help guide you in prayer. But then there's two resources, the Moody Bible Commentary. I'm not just recommending that because I'm biased. but And then the Zondervan Handbook of the Bible. Just two great resources to be able to explain verses or where you can look things up. I'm not saying just go out and buy them right away, but I would recommend that you consider how you would steward your resources. Yes, these things cost money, but so does everything else that we do. And so think about how much money you put into hobbies or streaming services or whatever that might be, or coffee in a given week. I know I touched a nerve on that one. And so to take a portion of that and get a couple resources that are going to help me understand the Bible, that's resources well spent. And so some of these books, as you ask questions, I don't know that. What, What does that mean? These are the type of books you can look things up in to understand the Bible. And then listen to God. Which phrase or word sticks out to you? Like, as you're reading through it, my mind keeps coming back to this phrase, to this word, to this idea. Well, prayer, again, you're praying to God. Why that? Why, are, why is that coming out to me? Why is that sticking out? And so prayerfully asking God to speak to you. So I'm reading the text slowly, multiple times, actively asking questions and listening to God. Then I want to think about the implications of it. Not just reading it, not just understanding it, but why is, this, why is what I understand, why is that important? What do I do with that? And maybe you need to write some thoughts down. Maybe you need to take some action. Uh, Howard Hendricks gives these different questions to ask. Is there an example for me to follow, a sin to avoid, a promise to claim, a prayer to repeat, a command to obey, a condition to meet, a verse to memorize, an error to mark, or a challenge to face? Not that the passage you look at is going to have all of these, but I guarantee it'll have one or two of them. And so which, what is it? And then what do you do? What does it look like to do that? You need to be specific about that. And then last thing is to end with prayer. And again, praying Psalm 119, verses 59 to 60. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. And so, God, help me to turn my ways to you. Help me to do what you have for me. Help me to walk in the way that you have shown me. This wasn't just a checkbox. God, if this is what you're leading me to, if this is how you're guiding me, if this is what it looks like to be your follower, then help me to do that as I go about today. This is meant to be, I'm trying to make this as practical as possible. Can you do this? And so again, I'm challenging you, challenging myself. If you need me to use stronger language, I'm daring you, triple, double, dog, dare, whatever language works. But to take the time this week to have 10 or 15 minutes in the Word of God, um, to ask God to speak to you, to ask God to show you, to ask God to guide you, so that we can, we're, all of us, we are caught up in the traffic of life. And it's very hectic, it's crazy. It doesn't, it it will not stop. And so we need to stop. We need to pull over, pause, breathe in the word of God, allow him to encourage us, comfort us, strengthen us, guide us. And this is the way that he's laid out that we go about doing that. As we close today, as we just think about being led by God's word and who we are as his followers, we're going to end today by receiving communion.